are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It is crossover Thursday. Kyle Krabs, Peter Bukowski, Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Packers. We have an interconference match up this week uh, with playoff stakes on the line for both teams. So certainly a game that uh, if you're looking to find out a little bit more in the midst of this high stakes week 16, we are here and we have you covered. Today's episode of Crossover Thursday on the Lockdown Network is brought to you by our friends over Prize Picks. Prize Picks is an absolute bass to play. It's super easy as well. There's no competing against other players. It is you versus the projections available in-house. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10x your money on your entry, and you can do it in literally less than 60 seconds. It is that easy. We love Prize Picks, and we know that you will too. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Peter, it's great to see you. How are things doing? Things are good. Um, I, as I was, as you were reading the the prize picks read, I was thinking about my father-in-law who who got on it because he listens to to Locked On. Okay, and is having a blast doing it. So it doesn't matter, you know, someone in there in there. I won't say his age. I'll, I'll protect him on this, but he's That's, he's older than yeah. me. But it's it's fun for people of all ages. I just it's one of those cool things that anyone can get into it. It's super easy, easy easily accessible. Absolutely, and and this game will be easily accessible too because I believe it's the only game going on on Sunday at one o'clock. So it's the, the only game. It's the game. Um, obviously, we have a lot of storylines from both angles. Green Bay with the successes of the last few seasons and looking to get pushed over the hump versus. Um, what this season has been a little bit different script. And then for Miami trying to get over the hump themselves respectively with a different kind of recent historical background is really interesting. So when you think about this game, what stands out the most to you? I think it's the first real test of this stretch where the Packers are trying to run the table. And that was the, the, the rallying cry of 2016, right? You may recall Aaron Rodgers said, Hey, after the Washington loss, coincidentally a Kirk cousins loss, um, he says, hey, I think we can run the table. They did. They go to the NFC Championship game, and you look back and you go, oh, that was that was a thing. That was an incredible run that the Packers went on. If they want to have any chance of making the playoffs, they probably have to win all these games. Now, technically, uh, as long as the 49ers beat the Commanders, the Packers will be in it uh, You know, come Monday morning, but it will mean, you know, it'll be the, the Zach Galifianakis uh, uh hangover meme where you're just trying to do all the math and figure out all of the possibilities because that that is going to be what the Packers are going to need uh to, to try and stay in the playoff hunt that's not the position we're used to Kyle like usually in in mid to late December we're thinking about you know oh playoff matchups okay you get the first round by or like the, how much does the first round by mean that's usually the kind of conversations that I'm having on locked on Packers this is a weird position for for Packer fans to be in right now and so I think that that, in a lot of ways, makes this game even more fun because it becomes a playoff game. That's what the stakes are here for Green Bay. And, and I think that this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers said after they beat the Rams, they're going to play some teams now that are better than the teams that they had played over the last few weeks. You beat the Bears. Okay, cool. You beat the Rams with Baker Mayfield. Nice, I guess. Now, if you want to go to the playoffs, it's you got to beat Miami and Miami, and then you got to beat the Vikings and the Lions. It's not going to be an easy task. And it's an uncommon opponent that makes it even more complicated. 
And, and for the dolphins, I think complicated even more by the fact that they looked really good against Buffalo in Buffalo in a game where I think there were a lot of people that were going Miami in the snow. Like I'll take, I'll take Buffalo minus whatever. And that's not how this played out. Like the, the dolphins, if there's a, such a thing as a good loss, that has to have been one on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that, that's that, that's definitely the energy uh, for Miami is they offensively laid an egg against the Chargers the week prior on Sunday night football and the week before that, um, just some missed opportunities offensively. And, and you know, it, it all starts with the quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa had not played anywhere close to what the standard was that he had set in the midst of uh, the, the games that he had played previously and came back out against Buffalo and lo and behold, the offensive line has an inspired play and they're, they're really setting the tone up front there. They're really beating Buffalo up in the front seven. And then that was something that well, Miami hadn't done largely all year. And they reap the benefits of that because now you, you have the middle of the field players in conflict. They had some more throws to the perimeter that they had not implemented over the last couple of weeks against defenses that were really committed to flooding the middle of the field. And they played inspired football. You know, they, they'll look back and they'll they'll rue the decision and, and the, the the fact that they were forced to punt at the 40-yard line close to the end of the game in the second half of the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, eight and six. And like Green Bay, Miami's coming into this game and you say, okay, our playoff fate is in our own hands. Can we get hot run the table? Can we prove ourselves to be a team that is worthy of a postseason ticket? Because if we are, like, it has to start now. And Miami, like Green Bay, has a couple of divisional opponents after this matchup where they, they, they go to new England and then play the jets. And both of those teams are a game behind the stand in, in the standings right now with Miami in the seven seat. So um, it, it's really fascinating, Peter, you look across the entire NFL and I'm, I'm sure you, you know, this with what all that you would do for locked on and all the hats that you wear, but there are high stakes in effectively every single matchup this weekend in the NFL. There's like maybe two snoozers, uh, but this one, <laughs> You mentioned cross-conference play, unfamiliar opponents, teams that are both desperate to get a win. You know, yeah. from Green Bay trying to continue to steamroll momentum, Miami trying to halt the momentum of a very difficult three-game stretch in which those were the house money opportunities that you had to, to really lock yourself in and get out in front of it. They didn't do that. So now it really becomes, okay, how do you coming back home, manifest that and try and lock this thing back down. This is something that I'm sure we'll get into in, in the matchup section here too. But when you, when you think about, okay, we heard that, that B word after the chargers game, that blueprint word, is that, is that a story that you think is a story or is that, is that a media driven thing? Or do you think that that manifests on the field? Like, is there something about this team or, or did they answer those questions for you against the bills? Like, how do you, how do you balance yeah. all of that? It just, it's fascinating to me. So the, the Dolphins got more physical coverage on the outside with inside leverage, and they countered that by throwing more passes completed inside of 15 yards outside the numbers in the game against the Bills than they had in the previous two games combined. Yeah. Like it was, it was in tough conditions to throw the ball outside the numbers too. Right. Right. So we're expecting they're going to continue to carry this. Let's show some answers. How do you do that? You find easier completions underneath outside the numbers and you run the ball. And the Dolphins provided that. And now it's really just the discipline of a first-time head coach with all these toys and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like, it's been Mike McDaniel for a large portion of this season. It's just, I don't want to run the ball. It's, I got these, these two Ferraris on the outside. I want to get them the ball as much as I can. And it's like, yeah, dude, I get it. But being balanced has been one of the big storylines. And I think that's the challenge for Miami that I'm fascinated to see against Green Bay because they did come out and they ran the ball with success against Buffalo early. 
And then down the stretch, they had a couple third and shorts and they got away from it. They didn't convert yeah. any of those throwing opportunities. So I think the blueprint question has been answered for having answers in your offense. And now it's just the awareness of implementing them throughout the course of any given script that you're going to get. Uh, and and I think that that dovetails really well with the discussion we're going to have about the matchups because the Packers have the worst run defense in the league. And so if there were ever a team where you're going to say, okay, Mike McDaniel, pull out all of those fun Shanahan run concepts and just hammer them until the Packers prove that they can, they can stop it. This is the game for it. And I'm telling you what, I know that Tyree kill is on the opposite sideline. I know Jalen Waddles on the opposite sideline, but the guy that every Packer fan is going, Oh no, please. God, no. It's Raheem Mostert. That's the guy where everyone just like, <laughs> can he just like get lost on the way to the game? Like, can he just show up in the second half? Maybe like what, what, what can we do to make sure he's not on the field? Because that's the guy that they're like, Oh no. Well, you, you mentioned the matchup segment and let, let's go ahead and get into that. But before we do this episode of crossover Thursday is brought to you by audible audible is releasing a new slate of football podcasts that we know that you are going to love. That's why you'll be able to find an episode of the league available as a bonus episode on Locked On NFL. It's narrated by Super Bowl champion and legendary smack talker Richard Sherman and sports broadcaster and rising star Taylor Rooks. An eight-part docuseries about the most bizarre, inspirational, and unlikely stories connected to America's favorite sport, pro football. You won't want to miss these untold stories. The bonus episode is called The Way of the Cowboy and is an incredible story of how the 1977 Dallas Cowboys brought in Bruce Lee's protege to teach their defensive martial arts, ushering in a new approach to the way the league is trained. Each story is equal parts history, entertainment, and social commentary. So head over to Locked on NFL for a bonus episode of The League or catch the full series wherever you get your podcasts available now. Audible, get in the game. Had you heard that that Cowboy story? I had never heard that story about them bringing in this protege. No. It's such a cool thing. There's so many There's so many awesome stories like that about the league. Like I just, this is, it's such a cool league to cover because there's there's so many fun things like that um out there so a, a really fun thing B by the way locked on sports today shameless plug for for the all sports Thank show that, that that i have um the biggest stories in sports interviews you're on the show because the dolphins are good now you get to come on a lot and we get to talk about football so uh locked on sports today on the uh, odyssey app youtube wherever you get podcasts Let, let's dive into the matchups here kyle because this is two teams that um you know the the quarterbacks in both cases this year for better and for worse have been the big stories for these two teams. Um, when, when you're, when you're looking at this from a matchup perspective, what, what side of the ball stands out where you go, okay, I think the dolphins can exploit this matchup with the Packers. Well, you mentioned the run defense and, and you know, the dolphins just two weeks ago had gotten a matchup against the chargers and the chargers since week four were averaging like 178 rushing yards allowed per game. Mm. And they just, they just didn't do it. So the fact that they came out against a better front in Buffalo and ran inspired football, and it sounds like the Dolphins will have Jeff Wilson back for this contest after um, he missed the, the last game against Buffalo. He was close. He had a, some kind of hip injury, uh, but the physicality to run between the tackles. And uh, I think about Green Bay, you know, it feels like rush defense has always kind of been an Achilles heel for green Bay over recent years. And that's why I kind of chuckled when you brought up Mostert because of, of obviously the performance in the playoff game that Mostert had. But then on top of that, I think a lot of casual football fans don't appreciate how good of a football player Rayshon Gary is. And I know he's missed time yep. and he's out for the season. And that's like, it's a total bummer for the Packers, but 
you can't be mad about it if you're getting ready to play the Packers. They say, well, at least we don't have to worry about <laughs> Sean Gary because he's a total stud. So yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'd be interested, Peter, from your perspective, um, how Kenny Clark has played on the inside. Yeah. Obviously, he's one of the best nose tackles in football. But like, how has he made do in the midst of some of the personnel losses up front? And then Devontae Wyatt being a rookie that's been been getting snaps as, as well for them, in, in addition to some more familiar names. Well, if you block him one-on-one, it's still good luck. I mean, that's he's still a really, really good football player. The problem is uh, when he's all you have on the defensive front um, in terms of your, your down lineman, obviously your, your outside linebackers being a different kind of challenge for opposing offenses, it's just it's too easy for teams right now to throw an extra body at him and and have it matter because if your other guys aren't aren't winning, number one, or out of position, or they can't get off blocks, or then your linebackers aren't filling filling in the gaps properly. This has been a problem all year. So it's like, yeah, Kenny Clark on third and eight, he can still absolutely destroy a center or a guard one-on-one and create a pressure for you. Or if someone wants you to want to go drop back pass on first down and single block Kenny Clark, he can still wreck shop. The question is, how much help is he going to get? And, and it's why I, I spent the whole first block of our show yesterday advocating for more Devontae Wyatt because he, it's the funniest thing. Every week, we the there are a group of guys that cover the Packers that tweet out PFF's grades, highest graded offense, highest graded defense. And Devontae Wyatt is always, it seems, one of the five highest graded defenders. And then you look at the snap count and you go, okay, eight snaps, seven snaps, nine snaps. Why is this happening? And part of it, you ask Joe Barry about it and he'll say, he's still learning how to become, become a professional. Now, what does that mean? Is that practice habits? Is that film room study? Is that attitude? We don't know what what the answer is, and so I don't want to I don't want to speculate and go down that rabbit hole of all of this. But he did have some of those sort of um, work ethic question marks um, coming out of college at Georgia, so maybe that's manifesting itself here. But you you watch on on Monday night, he played nine snaps, had a half sack and a TFL, like in in limited snaps. He he his physical attributes jump off the screen a little bit, and so. If, if he can be someone who can play now 15 snaps instead of nine or 18 or 20 snaps, that all of a sudden becomes a much bigger deal. And then also Quay Walker had his best game as a pro on Monday night, um, was a, a heat seeking missile in, in a situation where he has not been over the course of the season, great downhill defending the run. If you send him as a blitzer, he can be disruptive. If he sees it cleanly sideline to sideline, his athleticism is incredible, but in run fits, he can be a little slow to process and get to the ball carrier. He's doing that now. He did it against the Rams. And I think that's that, and especially in a game like this where you have backs who can move, who can really get, um, you know, sort of wherever they want with explosiveness, especially Mostert, even though I don't, he, I don't, I don't know about you, but he doesn't look as explosive to me as he did maybe two or three yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like they have some of these pieces, but they're just not, there's not enough help right now around Kenny Clark in terms of defending run. And as you mentioned, Rashawn Gary losing him, that's huge too. The only upside for Green Bay is this is a Miami offensive line that is not exactly the 94 Cowboys, right? So, although they they played pretty well last week. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned Quay Walker and I think Kingsley and Ibarik too. I think both of those guys are, are going to be tested. But, you know, Anibar is a really fascinating matchup with this tight end room because I think he can physically stall both of those guys and create knockback at the point of attack and win on the edge. So I think for both of those guys, 
And, and just I think Barr has watching, been a bit of a revelation for the Packers. I mean, an absolute mm-hmm. steal in the fifth round. He's been, I think he leads rookies in in pass rush win rate, according to PFF. Yeah, just he was a really nice player at South Carolina, uh, making the most of the opportunity. I think Miami will test both of those young guys with misdirection. You have to. And, and from, from watching just the TV copy of the Monday night game and kind of observing, you definitely felt like the Rams were kind of playing with a hand tied behind their back, right? With how simplistic they were. I think that'll be the biggest difference because people will hear Mike McDaniel and, and Sean McVay and it's the Kyle Shanahan tree. And I, I think one of the big differences is Miami with their shift motion frequency is the most frequent shift motion pre-snap offense in the entire NFL. They're going to change the picture on your young guys and, and yeah. how the Packers are able to handle that. I think is really going to dictate just how much success Miami will or will not be able to get in the run game going as one of the key matchups in this game. That's an interesting thing too, because the Packers have had, they've gotten caught a couple times this year, like more than normal, more than you should for a veteran team caught, not ready to go with the snap because they're, they're making checks. They're trying to get adjusted at, at the line. And then all of a sudden the offense is snapping the ball and you're not ready. And it becomes, you know, uh, not it's not always a chunk play, but a positive play because you're not set because you're not ready. And so I'll be interested to see, you know, if Miami tries, especially because of the temperature difference, a little tempo, like let's, let's see how in shape these guys are at this point mm-hmm. in the season, how, how, how physically tired they are. Um, I, I think that in conjunction with some of that motion, as you mentioned, change the picture Green Bay's not ready. You snap the ball. I think that could be something that you see. Maybe they get an explosive off that in this game. That's something that I certainly have my eye on, um, especially because the Packers are shuffling pieces. Darnell Savage played one snap on Monday night. Mm. He's essentially been benched. And he's there. He's now their dime safety. Keyshawn Nixon has come in and played really well in the slot. He has been an absolute buried treasure as a special teams player, as a returner. Like he, he legitimately could make the pro bowl. He's been so good. Um, and had he been all year, I think he probably would have broken one at some point. He was awesome um, on Monday night and has been over the last month since he's been installed. And then Rudy Ford, who was a cast off in Jacksonville. I, I don't know Kyle, why they just said you can't play for us. I don't understand it. And in fact, I had someone who covers the Jaguar reach out to me as soon as the Packers brought him in and go, I don't get it. He's a, he's a nice player and he's been immediately Darnell Savage was on the bench within like two weeks of Rudy Ford actually getting meaningful snaps um, in Green Bay because he's just been better. And and so because they're shuffling some pieces, Devondre Campbell working his way back from health, the rookie linebacker, like that back seven, they're shuffling around pieces. I think that there's going to be some opportunities to to exploit there. Let's flip. I'm going to flip this around because let's talk about the Packers offense. Mm -hmm. This is a, a Dolphins defense that... I, I assume coming in the year would be better against the pass given their DBs than they have been. What is what has been the, the thing that has prevented them from being better in that area given some of the personnel? Like Javon Holland is one of my favorite young DBs in the league. Yeah, Javon's really been relegated this season for much of it to just being the conservative high post player on the back mm-hmm. end. And, and it, they, they've been looking to find ways to work him down closer to the line of scrimmage to allow him to be more involved and get his hands on more footballs. But Oh, that Byron Jones hasn't played a snap. Nick Needham, their starting nickel, went down in early October for the year. Uh, they brought in Mackenzie Alexander. He was in training camp for a week and got hurt and is out for the year and no longer on the roster. Uh, Brandon Jones, their starting strong safety, is out for the year. He tore his ACL midseason. So 
they've had a lot of attrition there. And I, I think you, you've seen the Dolphins coaching staff really working to find out just how much we trust Keon Crossing and UDFA, uh, Cater Kohu, and Justin Bethel, who's been a career special teams guy, and Noe Benogany, the first round pick from a couple years ago, who's been a bust to this point, but has played some significant snaps intermittently throughout the season and like statistically has done fairly well. Like you could tell it's kind of just been like this touch and go. We're going to play softer on the back end. We don't want to give up explosive plays behind us. And it gives up all this free access that, you know, quarterbacks have had a lot of success averaging against the Dolphins throughout the course of the season, a lot lower average depth of target than what their season average is because Miami's playing softer. They're, they're playing more zone than they have in years past. And it's been yeah. a different DNA change for them. That's kind of been this moving target that the last month you've you've kind of see them get back into it. And I, I think the Dolphins, they've gotten bitten with some bad game plans going into games and then they make adjustments at halftime. And they're actually pretty proficient after halftime in, in making adjustments uh, to, to kind of put the clamps on teams and prevent some of the big plays. So that's been the big storyline with Miami defensively and, and the DB room specifically is you could tell the coaching staff at least early on was like, we want to play overly conservative because we don't want to give up the explosive plays, um, how they match up against green Bay. I'll be really fascinated to see how they, they match up, uh, against Tunyon and the backs in the middle of the field. I think those are the guys that can really, when you consider Elan and Roberts and the amount of snaps that he plays for the dolphins and Jerome Baker's been a solid player, but he's not really been a player who's made a lot of needle moving plays and, do the Dolphins get Eric Rowe back after he didn't play last week with the hamstring? Like they were down to like safeties four and five at the beginning of the season, playing significant snaps against the bills. And it just Dawson Knox killed them. So I think those are things for green Bay that you'll be looking at in some matchups that maybe you feel like you can find some headway in, in the passing game. Yeah. And the, the backs have mostly this season, I thought they were going to be more involved, um, you know, like running traditional routes, Aaron Jones, someone who can do that, but they've done a lot of things where they'll, they'll, especially against teams running zone clear out of side, and just, okay, now it's swing to A.J. Dillon, make your DBs go tackle him in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and and especially when it's 14 degrees, um, that works pretty well right. in a lot of those cases. Um, I, I want to get to the predictions, but but before we do, I'm just like, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, they they changed this offense, and especially Christian Watson. If you look at Sam Hoppin from 444 Fantasy has been charting um, the coverages that teams have seen. And if you watched the Packers chart, cover one and cover zero, just straight up, until about week 10, what happened in week 10? Christian down. Watson caught three touchdowns on the Cowboys and it's plummeted back down and teams now don't want to play man coverage and especially bring all out pressure against Aaron Rodgers because they can create these explosives. You mentioned wanting to play a little bit softer generally, at least over the last year or two. when I think of the dolphins, certainly the Brian Flores dolphins, like cover zero was like, let's go. Yeah. Like that was in their DNA. Yep. How do, how do you see them? It, like, it seems like it sort of dovetails with what they wanted, what they wanted to be. Can they, can they get back to being more aggressive given the way that we've seen Christian Watson exploit teams when they want to go single high or play man coverage? Yeah. I think if you want to live in a world where Xavier Howard follows him around, you'll probably be willing to take some chances in Rams did it with Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Some select game situation stuff. I would expect that you do see it. They'll they'll go birds on a fence on the line of scrimmage quite often, but a lot of times they drop out into either cover three or Tampa two are the two. And if 45 Duke Riley's on the field, 
and he's mugged up in an interior gap, don't be surprised if he drops deep middle and, and they end up running Tampa two coverage out of that. Um, so they will try to load you up and, and facilitate you getting into some of your pressure answers and then not bring pressure and just facilitate a, a completion underneath that they will then rally to the football. So they do play the chess game a little bit. Uh, Xavier Howard, I think is a piece that they would probably trust to play against either Dobbs or Watson and yeah. you know, be willing to live with the results of that. There've been some big body guys that have, have gotten Xavier Howard, Mike Williams, just a couple weeks ago, got him. T Higgins got him for a touchdown in week three. So like if you did take some shots down the field, you have a chance to hit some big plays. I think they'll try to be pretty selective of when that comes, but that comes back to the trade deadline addition of Bradley Chubb as well being another pass rusher so that you don't have to live in that world. I think that's kind of an acknowledgement of in a perfect world, we probably don't play that style as frequently, especially this season with what we have on the back end of the defense. You mentioned uh, predictions for this game. That's up next for us here on the Locked On Network. But first, I'll tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, the number one stop for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league that is out there from football college and pro to basketball. They have it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get all of your sports betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. So if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement don't know either? Driving under the influence can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. The bottom line is if you feel different, you drive different and driving high is a driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, Get a DUI paid for by NHTSA. Predictions time here on Crossover Thursday, Peter. Um, you're the road team, so I'll, I'll let you have the coin toss here. You want to go first <laughs> or second? I'll go first. I, I like okay. this. I feel good about this. So I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a game where, where we really get to see, okay, are the Packers for real? And I think they could lose this game and we could still come out saying, yeah, this is a team that, is is either deserving of or is a borderline playoff team. I think that's what you're going to see on Sunday. But I think I just think the speed for Miami on offense is going to be too much. Um, so I like this game 27-24, something like that. Like I think the Dolphins win, but I think the Packers cover the four, I believe it is right now. I've seen it at four and a half. Um, if you can get it at four and a half, I would take it at four and a half. Um, and so I think I think for Green Bay, they they acquit themselves nicely. Um, and then when, when, you know, you hear from us after the game hear from me on Tuesday or whenever, um, I'll be talking about the 1% chance that the Packers have to still be in the playoffs and whether that's enough to continue to start Aaron Rodgers. I think that's, this could be, this could be that, this could be that last hurrah. And, and if you're the Packers, you're going, okay, well, if that is the case, then, then maybe is that enough to sort of motivate them to get across the finish line, to win a close game late Mason Crosby at the buzzer to win it, something like that. But I'm going to, I'm going to officially predict 27, 24 dolphins. Okay. So, so you're looking for a good loss in the same way that the dolphins just had a good loss last week sure. against the bills. And if the dolphins did not have a good loss, man, I would be very, 
very concerned coming into this game, but they did acquit themselves from the struggles of the two weeks in the California West coast trip that they had that really was the, the antithesis of so much of what they were throughout the course of the early portions of the season. Uh, and because they did get on track and because they got on track, statistically speaking, it was the second best performance on offense has had against the bills this season, oh. that kind of momentum in a road environment and now coming home and playing for the first time in a month, I think is a couple hurdles in the Dolphins' favor in addition to the three-game losing streak. I'll lean into law of averages a little bit, but I agree with you. This is going to be a one-score game. This is not going to be one of those kick your feet up and enjoy the holidays and take down another <laughs> eggnog and laugh and, and have a good time with it. It'll be a stressful game. It's going to be very closely contested. Uh, put me down for like 24-19. I think it's going to be right on that cusp of that. All right. That Dolphins win and cover. And yes, that's that's but very, very close. So that that's what I'll you could put me down for here in this contest. I accept that. I, I look. I if if the Packers were not six and eight, and like if this were two, eight, you know, eight and six teams, I, I would probably have a little bit more faith in Green Bay. But that's not what happened, right? You you you, um, I don't. You aren't what your record says you are. But um, I think the Packers are and have been a six and eight team. So I I can't I can't argue too much with you. But if the Packers win, I won't be surprised. I'll just say that. Yeah, the, the, there's very little the Dolphins could do to surprise me at this point as well. So it's one of those games you, you guys just going to have to tune into and, and make sure you hit subscribe on Locked On Packers and Locked On Dolphins. And uh, make sure you check out everything that is across the Locked On Network. We have so many great shows with so many great hosts for all of your favorite sports as well. Uh, but especially Locked On Packers, Locked On Dolphins. Hit subscribe on both of these and come back after the game on Sunday and we will fill you in on everything that you need to know. We hope you enjoyed this crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Network. With Peter Bukowski, I am Kyle Krabs. We are signing off. Enjoy your weekends and enjoy the game.